Welcome back to Ghostly Talk. This is Scott L. This is Amber. So I found so far this week, or maybe over the last week, I found another version of ASMR. That's what you call it, ASMR yeah, videos. I, yeah, I love ASMR. So you know, remember those 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 coin push machines yes. that just rob you blind? Yes. And I don't know how real this stuff is, right? But there are these videos out there, like I guess it's YouTube channels or something. I see it on other platforms. And it basically like are these are like high dollar point like point point push machines point coin push. push machines point I want to watch some point sorry uh-huh. uh, they're like high dollar coin push machines uh, like ten thousand dollar buy in you have to do like you can't you have to do a ten thousand dollar buy in where do you do this some I don't know but palace somewhere? but like it's insane because like. Like they have the machine and it's like filled with like little like one ounce gold bars, diamonds, and like wads of like fifties, and like five hundred dollar poker chips, and they like stack everything up like in these giant castle type things. So like you're jamming money like the, the way these guys do it. Their strategy is they they throw in like twenty or thirty dollars worth of coins to drop a lot of stuff in there to start really giving the thing a push, right? So. These videos, some of these videos go for like 30 minutes, right? And I've watched a handful of them this week, and I'm sitting there losing my freaking mind because every time you watch that big stack of $500 poker chips sitting there just waiting to teeter off that and thing. And it never does. No, well, no, it does after a while. They're, they're, that's a thing. Is it like you? That wouldn't be relaxing, though. ASMR is relaxing. Oh, no, no, no. It's it's satisfying as F. Really? It's satisfying as... I'd, that'd give me anxiety, because I'd be like, no. just follow me. No, 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 no. It's No, there's something about where you're sitting there, like, rooting the guy on, going, dude, all right. And, and you see the thing, like, motion, you know, it just moves a little further forward, and then it gets stuck on something. You're like, ah! But it's, it's not, like, anxiety-inducing for me huh. for some reason. Huh. And then when it finally, when it finally, like topples over or something happens it's like okay so so if you have to put ten thousand dollars into this to even begin what's the potential payout well i don't even know i I haven't even gotten that like you get a piece of gum oh god (laughs) and i know these guys according to what they're getting out of there they're like they're like winning high but i Hmm. of course it's like it's like anything, and I'm smarter in my old age now. I'm like, oh, yeah, that'd be something fun to do. I, I could take $10,000 and go and, yeah. and, and make like fifty or 60000 no, no, I would wouldn't. totally get smoked. I would get destroyed. I saw you at the Monopoly machine. That was a bad At night. the last time we were at a casino together. <laughs> that, that was a bad. And that was actually at a paranormal conference. It was, that was because at, a lot of paranormal conferences now are at are casinos. At casinos. <laughs> and that's, a, I don't know, that's just a bad place to put me. I want to be there. The, but... Picture this, people. It was and it was our anniversary that weekend too, so picture this, people. I and I brought some money for for both of us, and I ended up giving Amber like, hey, you know, happy anniversary, go have some fun and play the games. So yeah, I hit the Monopoly one arm bandit, and I mean, we'll just keep this brief. Uh, I was up high, I was doing you were well, up like four hundred dollars. No, no, it was more more than that, way more than that. Um, and yeah, it was just one of those nights. So all you just picture is like four thirty in the morning. I am still, I am no. thoroughly inebriated. No, was, yes, I was. It was two in the morning. No, no, no. Because Marnie and I were up till four, and that's no. when the Wonder Woman machine no, no, broke on no, me, and no, no, then no, no, we no. went to bed. I went till like four or four thirty okay. in the morning. I remember this because right. I got back to the hotel room, and I ran myself literally. If I was a Mars rover, I would have buried it on the surface of Mars. There was nothing left. And I had to wake up the next morning with a hangover and an empty wallet. And I can't remember ever feeling like a bigger loser. <laughs> I don't know any other way to say it. No, it I felt fun. so miserable. It was just fun. It, it was fun, but I, that's why I As long as I you can go that. into a casino and not spend your life savings. Well, that's the thing. Is that money was the money I brought yeah, was there. That, to that play was, with. It was it was there to if spend. If I don't and, come home with it, I accept that. Well, there's always that sting. Right? But if if you go, oh, I only brought six hundred, but I spent twelve hundred that I shouldn't have, then. Ew. The reason I mentioned these things is they popped into my gray matter as we were talking, yes. to, just talking to Dr. Kelly Schutz tonight, uh, and she talks about something, you know, some topics uh, that align with that, that made me think about that just satisfying point, I did it again, point cush game, that coin <laughs> push cu- game, point cush, point cush, point cush, it's a point cush, um, um, that was just it's so satisfying and 
nice to see somebody win something. Well, Kelly has had a lot of different par- paranormal experiences in her life. And, and one of the things we had mentioned, which is what triggered this casino conversation, yeah. was that she was saying that she could predict sports outcomes sometimes and win casino jackpots and that she had won 17 just in the past four years. And yeah. it's like, <gasps> what? Tell me more. Tell, yeah. <laughs> Tell me more. Tell me more. I don't. I want to be rich. I don't think. Hey, I'd be happy if I. And we're talking jackpot in my world is like hundred dollars. Like them. Like Ooh. she's got humble dreams, people. <laughs> I can play she for two more hours dreams. on this. <laughs> yeah. Right. But anyway, uh, so we talked to Kelly about this kind of stuff. Kelly was really cool because she was. She's a ghostly talk listener, who reached out to us and said, "Hey, which I is listen, the coolest thing ever? I listen to your show." I'm one of five that listen to your show, yeah. <laughs> and I I have. I think we've had every listener of the show. We've had on every the show. listener of the show is yeah, they're all on now. They, yeah. So if we get a new one, you gotta be on the six, show. You better reach out. Number six. Say, I want to. I want to be on your show. Yeah. Can I, I be on Ghostly Talk? I have to. I forget to do this, and I don't have it in front of me. If you live in, this could be really vague. If you live in New Mexico and listen to the show, you could be number six. We, I look at stats sometimes. No, don't. And I see where people live. Yeah. And next time, next show, I have to remember, there's a couple particular cities that I'm like, I've never heard of them. What, in America have, or in Europe yeah, no, or something? No, in America. And we get the most listens from them. So either there's like a, maybe there's like, I imagine a Sunday Sunday group of people getting together listening some to Ghostly weird Talk. Thing, some weird cult <laughs> listening to our show. We're like the we're like the what is it from the the, the, bla- like, the sa- Ghostly Talk. Stallions. What is it from the from your wild favorite movie? Stallions? The, we're the wild stallions somewhere. <laughs> and we have to go back in time or something to figure it out in the future. We have to come up with a song that thanks will for save listening. The world. Yeah, thanks for listening, regard. No, and, and the point I of think this, there's more than six people listening to the show, I think and I'm so really too. proud and of that regardless. It's cool. Thank the, you guys. The point of this is thank you for listening to the show, everybody out there. Thank you for listeners who actually write us and take the time to say something and then say, Hey, I wouldn't mind coming on your show because I have a few things to say. Yeah, and that's and, this is an, this is the show has always been open source like and that. And she didn't talk about it, but we stalked her a little bit and Dr. Kelly Renee Schutz is highly educated. Oh yeah. Uh very educated. Intimidating. Um, and I did like, mention. Why does she want to talk to us? I didn't mention this to her, but uh, there was an article that you can find. It's I mean, it's public news. It's out there. Yeah. But it looked like either maybe it was her hometown newspaper. Yeah. Did an announcement about when she earned her PhD, and I love at the very end it says her hobbies include like genealogy and paranormal investigation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's awesome that it ends with that. Tell us about Kelly. Dr. Kelly Renee Schutz is a Minnesota native and paranormal enthusiast who has encountered a multitude of unexplained experiences from psychic and physical attacks, trances, possessions, to poltergeist activity. She has written 10 books, number 11's on its way, on her experiences, and also hosts and produces her own podcast, the Paranormal Encounters Podcast. Mm. We will have her books and her website linked up on our site so you can go hunt Kelly down. She will be uh, coming, I don't know if it was this year or next year, but she has uh, some uh, conferences she's going to be speaking at. That's Especially in regard to UFOs and how the spiritual and UFO and all kinds of stuff coincide. So enjoy our conversation with Dr. Kelly Schutz. things that happens on this show is when a listener takes the time to actually send us a good old-fashioned email and say i like you yeah (laughs) and our guest today is dr (laughs) kelly schutz and she not only wrote us an email and said i like you guys but i'd like to come on your show yeah because I have some I was cool like, That's stuff. really cool. Yeah, I have some cool stuff to talk about. Yeah. And so we're going to talk about all of the paranormal experiences that Kelly has encountered. And actually, she said Kelly. She 100 experiences. Kelly, should I call you Dr. Kelly or, or do we just call you Kelly? 
Oh, you can call me Kelly. That's fine. Okay, awesome. Cool. So we're going to... That's going to knock about a half an hour off the show. (laughs) (laughs) No, thank you very much. Cool. So we're going to go all over the place and talk about our favorite topic, the paranormal, with Kelly. (laughs) Kelly Schutz. Kelly Schutz. Kelly, welcome welcome to the show. show. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for having me. And again, it's a pleasure. The pleasure is all mine. Well, thank you again. Um, Now, as I, I mentioned a second ago... And I mean, I'm sure this is a relative number, but you've had over a hundred different types of experiences. I guess what we call, I would call anomalous, right? Um, I would say so. Yeah. Can we talk about that for a second? I mean, and there's a lot we can unpack with just that statement alone, right? I guess what I'd be curious about just to start things off here is why do you think, because I honestly, myself, and I've said this to people for years, I can probably count barely on two hands uh, how many things I would consider anomalous that I've experienced in studying the paranormal. Um, Why do you think with yourself you've had that many experiences? Well, that's a good question. And that's a question, by the way, that I have been asking myself for a very long time now. And um, I think that personally, and maybe some of your listeners can relate to this, that um, I would refer to myself as a beacon. Uh, And when I refer to that, I mean by like a beacon of light, um, something that seems to, I don't know, shine a little brighter in the, you know, in the world of the paranormal. And I, I kid you not, wherever I am, they come running or they've tried to run towards me even before I started counting. And I just wonder if there's just not something or I'm hardwired a little differently. And many of your listeners probably can relate to this too, uh, that that make you uh, shine a little bit brighter. And so, but I, I know that this has all gone back to the age of four, actually three and the age of four, where I think this all kind of started off for me. And um, I'll let you ask the questions here and twist and turn here for us. But um, I think this is where it actually all began. Well, when you were four or three or four, that young, you were having premonitions already where you where you had dreams of usually it sounds like somewhat awful things. And then you'd see them come true as a kid and see them on the on the TV. What were some of the things that you remember dreaming about at that age? Well, and actually just to. I, I had just had one again yesterday, by the way, and uh, it's things that are very unusual. But back when I was uh, around age three, age four, the the things that I would be dreaming about would be, of course, traumatic. And a lot of times some premonitions are noted to be more along the lines of negative or traumatic or something horrible. I would be dreaming about um, airplane crashes uh, weather events that would, you know, the, the typical, you know, plow out a city in a second kind of thing, car car crashes, uh, people being assassinated. I mean, back in my day, I am no spring chicken anymore here. I've been around for 60 years. Um, you know, we're, some pretty big events happened back in back in those times. And I would be dreaming about not necessarily the person per se, but the element of what was yet to come or that something along that lines was going to happen. And then I do remember um, like watching TV. I mean, as a, as a three, four year old, all you want to watch is cartoons, yeah, right? Yeah. But uh, the thing is, you know, parents uh, put, put it on the news channel or, or a breaking news episode would come up or something like that. Black and white, of course. And I would be sitting there, standing there, looking at the TV, and then I would see the event, right, that they're announcing it. And I said, usually said to my mother, um, that's really strange. I, I just had a dream last night. Wow, that's that's interesting. But it was at the point, though, where it kept happening. And then I felt like I was causing these things. And I know that sounds a little crazy, but I just did some research actually quite recently, because I'm getting ready for a conference and I want to be on my game here. But I did do some research and it it actually there that was one of the points that 
um, when you're a very young child and you're having some of these events going on, you might actually feel the guilt and think that you're the one actually causing them. So anyway, that's, those are some of the critical things, but they always seem to happen within a day or two after I would dream this stuff and um, very vivid dreams, uh, very clear. And, um, but you know, you go on with your day as a, as a kid, you're looking for your toy, you know, that kind of thing. So when I think about being a kid and then with, with someone like you having these premonitions and thinking, Oh my God, did I cause that? Because I dreamt it. I remember being a kid and thinking, why is the world just about me? Because I, my, my mind is can't grasp like everything else yet. And I just thought, why does this just seem to be the me movie? I don't get it. Like, why am I not in anyone else's head? Why? So I could see where a kid would think that or someone like you when you were little thinking, I'm causing this. This is my fault. Yeah, Um, yeah, it's weird to think about stuff like that. Your little kid brain. It's also a bummer that premonitions don't alert you about just good things or maybe they do and we kind of ignore those because they're not as exciting. But then when you think about it, if premonitions are a way to warn you about things or to prevent something bad from being you know from happening you want to be warned about the bad that like if someone if i get a premonition of a donut coming yeah it's a donut whoa yeah it's not gonna be life or death situation it's just gonna be like cool donut yeah so i don't know you're not gonna want to prevent that i'm not gonna want to prevent that i want the donut Exactly. So do I, actually, especially if I'm really hungry. You know, the the thing is, though, that I have found and and over time is that you've just hit on something very important here. And this is something. um, So I've worked in law for several years and in various uh, types of, you know, areas. And I've learned a lot while being in law for, for quite a while. And the, the question that ultimately always came up was, well, if, you, if you're having this premonition or you're having these thoughts, like psychics, for example, are very good in being able, not all of them, but you know the good ones I'm talking about here, they're very good at predicting the future. And so for a psychic to, for example, like in some of the law firms that I've worked at, to come and say, I think I know where so-and-so is buried, or I think I know where or what happened and, and how somebody was shot. Believe it or not, the first thing that happens with this is they're not gonna they're not gonna just sit there and go, oh, really? Okay, no, that's not gonna happen. Usually what happens is they start to investigate the person that came to be the messenger of this information. And so unless you are hired specifically by some group or some organization to do some psychic work, and a lot of it is going on out there, and I've, I've dealt with people who do missing children all the time, um, you know, you basically aren't, can't just walk into a room and say, oh, my God, let's prepare, you know, because something is coming our way, and I just, just had this dream. People just kind of think, what did you eat? You know, that kind of thing. So, when you worked with the law, how often did that happen uh, that people came in and claimed that they had a premonition or knew where something was because of their psychic abilities? Was it a little more often than people would think? It's more often than what people think. Hmm. And not only that, again, what happens is, um, so when you work in the law field or you work in the medical field, or you work in uh, the police field. I mean, there we can, there's three of them right there. A lot of times what happens is we are all trained to think a very specific way. And so not everybody is going to be very receptive to a person coming in and saying, uh, I had this dream. I had this thought, be careful. Blah, blah. They're not, it, it, depending on the field that you approach here, it's going to be, um, it's going to be looked at in a very different way. And so, yeah, it's more um, more common than what people realize. But on the other hand, a lot of times these people that are just walking in off the street or whatever and, and not being hired to do this kind of work, they're just kind of turned away and kind of ignored. I hate to say that. Then yeah. when something actually happens, then, of course, they're the ones that are getting investigated, believe it or not. They're right. the first person that gets investigated rather than 
um, some tip that they may have for somebody else. As you got older, did your paranormal experiences start to develop into different things? I know with the start of the premonitions, but did you start to see like ghosts or hear things or, or experience? What else did you experience? All right. So I'm, I promised myself I could do this in 90 seconds. So, <laughs> so here we go. Everybody sit down and eat your popcorn because here's my life in 90 seconds from age three to age 60. Here we go. All right. At the age of four, well, three and four, I was having premonitions. Yep, that's right. So I guess you could say maybe I was a little bit clairvoyant, maybe back then. I'm not quite sure. And then I felt confused, thinking I was causing these events. Then around the age of nine, severe anxiety starts to set in. Don't know why, don't know where it came from was at my grandparents' house, um, staying over after school, uh, older house, 1890s, built approximately, couldn't figure out why I didn't like being in there, felt watched, felt creeped out, didn't want to go upstairs. One time they were not home. I just felt like I should go take a nap. So, you know, you turn the lights on, you turn the TV up, you turn everything, and, you know, just to kind of feel like you have another presence other than your own paranoia. Well, I heard chatter in the kitchen. And so I thought, how do they get home without me hearing them come through the door? And it sounded like a little party going on. So I got up, you know, drag yourself to the kitchen. And the minute I got into into the face of the door frame and looked inside the kitchen, there was absolutely nothing there. It went completely dead silence silent. But the thing is, is I always remembered that dead silent sound. There was something about that that just um, is like my indicator to this day that there's something about. Um, Anyway, long story short on the nine-year-old, from nine to probably about 17, I would have these types of experiences in their house. And about um, the age of 20, I went to see a psychic. Because remember when I was telling you how I felt guilty, like I was causing things? Yeah. I went to see a psychic and I said, there's a lot of weird stuff happening to me and I don't really quite understand what's going on. And the psychic looked at me and she was very, very frank. And she said, I need to tell you something. You've got an unusual mind. And I thought, yeah, it doesn't everybody. But she, she meant it. She said, you've got an unusually powerful mind. And I thought to myself, an usually powerful mind. Oh, how weird. I don't get it. You know, I got it soon after that. I can't, I cannot tell you about two events that did occur when I was really angry. Uh, You have to be careful how you control your thoughts. My thoughts kind of went astray and two things happened that were terrible. And I can't, can't talk about it to this day because it's still devastating to me, but that's when I got it when she was talking about that my mind is unusually powerful. Okay, so let's fast forward a little bit here. Let's go back and then fast forward. Age 14, I was um, on my dad's childhood property farm out in the country, beautiful house hand built by my uh, great grandfather. And you know, I, I, During this point in time, the kids in school were saying, oh, we have a ghost in our house or Mm. I saw a ghost. And I was kind of jealous. I thought, you know, I've I've never seen this stuff. I don't really know if it exists. And that's crazy talk, you know. And so um, I had said into the air, here's another thing you got to be very careful about. And keep in mind who you're dealing with here. Someone who just has ongoing experiences. I said out loud on the property. I said, this is out in the country. I said, I wish I could see a ghost. This place seems creepy enough to have one. I wish I could see one. I wish I could see one. Be very careful about saying things three times because unless it's really positive and it's for yourself, you just need to watch out. But anyway, years later, I would be seeing um, uh, visually two ghosts that showed up in a screened window. And so... Before we get to that point, before that happened, I need to go back to my grandparents' house for a moment, the one where I, there was chatter in the kitchen and all this. So in my young 30s, 
I went uh, upstairs uh, and uh, because I went into the house by myself, my grandparents had just passed away. And so I'm on my way going upstairs, which terrified me when I was younger. And I said, I'm going to break my fear. There's nothing in this house. This house is a house of love, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I get up to there's a draft curtain right at the top of the stairs. If that doesn't creep you out, I don't know what would. (laughs) And so I had to pull that draft curtain back and pray that there was nothing behind it. Okay. So one, two, three, pull her back. All right. Nothing behind it. Okay. Good to go. Went up to their pink room. Of course, someone asked me on another show what pink meant. I said, well, the walls were pink back then. So it was the pink room. But Mm. anyway, I was in that room, not for a very long period of time. I walked in, there was nothing that felt harmful, but as the minutes started ticking away, I was looking inside a box just of their stuff, you know, just looking at it. And then all of a sudden, something was starting to come over me. Um, There was this horrendous smell. I thought it, I mean, it smelled really deceased. I mean, like horribly rotten. And I thought, um, I need to see if there's some dead mouse in this room, because that that's pretty rotten, you know. So as I was getting up and walking around looking for what could have been a dead animal in there, I noticed that the curtains um, had a singe at the bottom, like a fire singe. And I thought, well, this is unusual. And then, of course, I was told a couple of days later that a lightning strike had hit the house. But it was as if something had tried to put out that fire. And this is very key where I'm going to lead you down to why this is key here in just a moment. So I'm, I'm standing there looking at the curtain. And it was at that point that I started to get extreme jabbing in my stomach. I felt really disoriented, lightheaded, very sick, wanted to puke, you know, that Mm. kind of thing. And I thought, I don't feel right. There's something really weird going on here. And I, I turned, I dropped the box and I, I left, I literally was jumping down steps at a time uh, to get, get out of the house. I mean, can you imagine being a neighbor and seeing some 30-year-old run out of a house like it's on fire. Well, indirectly, um, maybe something thought it was. All right, so I'll get back to that in just a second here. I, I did some research, though, on that house and discovered that back in the 1800s, there was a uh, tenant there or an owner, woman, who uh, there was a fire in the kitchen, and uh, she died in the kitchen area um, being overcome by this fire. And I don't know to this day if that fire singe on the curtain had anything to do with anything back then or putting it out or whatever, but something put it out and it just didn't put out itself. All right. Now I'm going to fast forward here mm-hmm. to my young forties. Now in my young forties, I'm back on my dad's property. Remember the one I said, Oh, I want to see a ghost. I want to yeah. see a ghost. Yeah. Okay. So I'm walking now. A tornado had just hit the area and the property just on the side of it a day before. So if, you, if you've ever heard electricity in the air, it, that static sound, that's what the property sounded like when I entered it. Very staticky, very dead silent. Once again, I'm getting right into that dead silent sound here. And I get my camera out. I'm there by myself. I'm just taking pictures and and noting what was hit and what wasn't hit. And it was cloudy that day. So I'm walking around this property. And all of a sudden, the birds that were chirping go silent. And I'm like, this is kind of crazy. I said, wow, this is such a peaceful property. Wait a minute. Why aren't the birds chirping anymore? This is really odd. And I just kind of ignored that. And I started taking pictures of this, this beautiful house, Dutch colonial back in the day, grandfather was excellent carpenter. And I didn't see anything there at the time. Now, keep in mind that back in the day, we had print film. So I went to the store because I lived out of town. And I I got I went to get the pictures developed. And I was thumbing through the pictures. Da, 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 da. I thought, well, this is odd. How did a ball get up in the upper, you know, right-hand window there? A ball is on. That's very strange. I didn't notice anything there before. Mm. 
So anyway, um, with the technology that be, and this is what actually got me to buy my first laptop, by the way, um, I had them digitize it. It is on, it is definitely on my print film negative. And I had them blow it up and sure enough, as clear as a bell, and they're in these pictures, by the way, are in my book. Um, young gal, older man, literally looking directly at me from the upper screen window. People always go, oh, it's probably leaves or something like that. I said, no, no, no. It's not a glass plate window. It's a screened window. There's a difference. And so anyway, I could make out he had a must and I could see he had glasses on and I could see his chin. And for her, she looked about six years old and I could see the part down her her head and everything. Now, I need to add something to this because I, I because it's important here. So the young gal and the older man that showed, I believe, were my um, my great aunt and my obviously great grandfather or doctor. This gal died two miles down the road in another house, but I matched her picture with the picture that I had of her at around the age of nine or 10 in my genealogy book. And there's something more that's interesting behind all of this. Okay, the the man that was looking over her shoulder, he, um, so she showed it about six, she died at 10. He showed it about mm, maybe late 60s, he died close to 80. People ask all the time, well, why are these apparitions and ghosts showing younger than what they, you know, what they died from or, you know, the age that they died from? And the best that I can come up with as a theory is, number one, uh, rec- being able to be recognized. Um, number two, uh, they felt happy and maybe the healthiest then, and that's the look that they liked of themselves. Who knows? Um, But more importantly, she died two miles down the road and the doctor that tried to save her, I actually found his picture of her doctor back in the 1800s, actually 1900s, early 1900s, sorry, looked also very similar to this man in the window. So he was either, it was either the doctor traveling with her. It could have been my, my great grandfather. Obviously he built the house with her in that room or could have been on the worst case scenario tricksters trying to break down my sensibilities and vulnerabilities and knowing that I would be probably get a little bit addicted to wanting to go back to doing more research on that house. So they would break me down in the process. Now I have to add one more thing to this. When I was standing out on the lawn after I, got my uh, film developed and I looked in that window. Of course, nothing was showing and they're probably long gone by then. I did say this. Can you please tell me why you showed in the window? If you're anywhere on this property still, please tell me. And that's when I learned that I was telepathic and I heard in the back of my head, um, check the genealogy, check the genealogy. And I thought, What a weird thing for me to think about right now. Check the genealogy. Well, I did, and I had her name wrong, and I now stand corrected on who the little girl was pretty much uh, who was in the window. So in the late fifth, so that was that experience. So now I became obsessed with ghost hunting, and I needed to, I need to add that in there for those of your listeners who all of a sudden have experiences and they're like, wow, I want more of this, or I think this is cool, or wow, they're talking to me and oh, I can hear them. So now I'm on a mission to go to anything haunted, primarily bed and breakfasts, relatively safe location, knowingly haunted. And I want to see if other ghosts will talk to me just like they did telepathically. And so in my 40s to my young middle-aged 50s i started banging the turf and and going to all these places and yes yes and yes many different kinds of experiences yes um i thought oh 
This is great. Let's take this one step further. Let's go overseas and do this in Europe. So, yeah. So now it, that was the biggest mistake of my life. But anyway, here we are. Grab my husband's good ghost bait, by the way. I when I when I feel like just leaving him somewhere and I saying, here, attract the ghost for me so I can document this stuff. So we go over to Europe. Now I know that, wow, I've got a talent. These things are talking to me. They're showing me things. They're scaring me a little bit, but not not so badly that that I can't handle it. All right. So here we go. Woo. Over to Wales and Scotland and, and of course, London and all that. We were in um, a few haunted bed and breakfasts over in, um, I think it was Wales because I, I, my mind is kind of going fuzzy on this, but it had knowingly 12 ghosts, all ages in this um, bed and breakfast. So I go in there and I'm like, hi, I'm here from the United States. You know, here we go. I'm here to ghost hunt your, your lovely bed and breakfast here. And the woman at the desk looks at me and says, I said, I want the most haunted room. She says, I'm not giving you the most haunted room. I said, why not? I'm, I, 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 you know, keep in mind, my experiences in the United States were relatively, they were shocking and, but not anything terrifying. And she said, I'm not going to give you the most haunted room because people don't stay more than 20 minutes in that haunted room. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. I said, I can handle it. No problem. She says, no, but I'll give you the second most haunted room. How's that? Yeah. 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 And I will tell you to this day, I, I mean, I, as God is my witness, um, I will never, ever, ever um, pursue anything of that nature in Europe ever again. But anyway, here's what happened. So, you know, the elevators over in Europe are relatively small. Yeah. So we walked up the stairs and clunk, 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 clunk. Here's our luggage. And here we go. The very first thing I was greeted with at the top of the stairs, other than other than exhaustion, by the way, of climbing the stairs, <laughs> I walked through. I don't know if you know what a, like an electrical cobweb feels like. Have either of you ever walked through an electrical cobweb before? I have walked through something in the past. And the only reason I'm going to comment on this is I'm curious if, it, if it's going to be the same thing that you felt. I've walked through things where I've just got a sudden... Like I feel like I walked through it, not a cold spot, but I got a sudden sensation of cold, like on my arm, for example, and it kind of creeped up and moved. Is that what you're referring to, or am I totally off the beaten path? No, you had a different experience. Okay, I'm totally off the beaten yeah. path. <laughs> That's all right. So here's 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 its relative of that experience. Okay, okay. all right. Here's its relative. So the gal from the desk, very nice gal, and I and husband were going up the stairs. We get up to the top, uh, to the level, right? And we're about ready to proceed. Now, keep in mind one thing. This bed and breakfast, I cannot recall if it was 600 or 900 years old. It was that old over there, okay? okay? So it wasn't a castle, but it was in a town that was very, very... um had a lot of war type activity back in the day, a lot of terrible things going on in the in the main uh, center of it, of the city and uh, where we were at, by the way. So when we got up to the to the main level, um, it feels like what it feels like. It's like um, remember us talking about this static in the air, this electricity. Yeah. You feel like you're walking through um, a, an electrical volt you know, bolt of something, boom, like a vault. Okay. And my whole body went whoosh. And I could feel the electricity throughout my entire body. And so did the girl who was also sensitive, the one who worked there. She goes, wow. And I said, holy crap. I said, wow. I said, did you feel that? She goes, yes. And she was completely red. And so was I just, I mean, our whole body was electrified. But what was really interesting about that is that it wasn't just the fact that um, we had that. At the point that I became electrified, I saw the maid who used to be the maid in that bed and breakfast back in the 
hundreds, I believe. And I saw her turn a corner and I saw half of her face. And I said, oh, my. And see, at that point, I was really disoriented again. I felt a little dizzy. And I thought, wow, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it to our room. Okay. We get to our room. Now, this is a maze. I could not figure out how to get back out of there if I tried. And so, you know, you almost wanted to leave breadcrumbs or tie a ribbon around certain areas so you could follow the trail back. But anyway, we get we get to the door of the room and the gal says to me, she goes, we need to knock and ask permission to go in. Here's my husband. Oh, geez. You know, <laughs> he's thinking everything is drama, drama, drama. OK, I'm like, knock it off, you know, and I said, may we please come in? OK. So we go into the room and the room felt just absolutely dreadfully heavy, sick, that I could feel there was something just not right about this room. And I looked to my left, just imagine looking to your left and seeing this, um, this Victorian mirror, um, floor length, you know, ones that women like to look in with their long gowns. And I looked over at this mirror and that was the first thing I looked at and I thought, there's something about that mirror that really bugs me anyway. So she leaves immediately. She doesn't even stick around. She's all, you know, she didn't even want to be in that room to begin with. We put our stuff down. We had champagne we had chocolates. And I said here to my husband, let's offer the ghost in this room, some champagne and some chocolates and tell them how wonderful we are. And we're here in peace. And so I'm like, here you go. Here's some champagne and here's some chocolates. And so nothing at first anyway. We're in this room for just uh, 20 minutes. I'm shooting pictures. I'm getting orbs on my camera. I'm going, look, there's an orb over here. Look, there's an orb over here. Look, let's go eat. Okay, fine. We leave the room. And before we left the room, I noticed that there was a bulb burnt out on my lamp and I wanted to keep it on all night just because I'm, I'm, I'm the chicken researcher, you know, investigator <laughs> from the United States, you know, I'm going to go in there. I'm all hardcore. I can do this. No problem. Give me the most haunted room. All right. Second most haunted room. Here we go. All right. We're down at dinner. And then the manager comes down and she says, could I have your key, please? The um, ghost in that room absolutely refuses to let the maintenance guy go in to change the light bulb. And of course, as she leaves, here's my husband. Ah, oh, geez. You know, once again, all I'm hearing is, ah, oh, geez. Okay. And I'm like, just knock it off. I said, I said, this is a very haunted building. You can't mock a ghost. You mock a ghost. You're like he did in the past. I said, I'm not going to get any sleep tonight. If you just keep, keep this up. All right. So she brings the key back down and she tells us some of the haunting things that happen in the, that do happen in that room. We go back up there and the first, of course, knock and may we please come in. All right. So we go in. First thing I noticed was um, were handprints on my pillow. And my husband, of course, you know what he said. Oh, geez. Here we go again. <laughs> um, and I said, I said, Michael, which is my husband's name. I said, Michael, it's not the maintenance guy's hands. And I will make sure that that was the case. And he just didn't put the all they're trying to do, Kelly, is scare you. That's all they're trying to do is bring hype to you. Just just not just chill. I said, I don't think these are the maintenance guy's hands. I don't think he would even want to be in here very long, judging from what I understand. Okay, fast forward here. We're getting ready to go to bed. And my husband brings out the holy water and he's standing at the edge of the bed and I'm standing facing the mirror. And by the way, I could do a whole episode on mirrors. There are four mirrors in this room. They were all facing each other, creating some kind of a portal in the middle of the room. I thought, you know, why do they have so many mirrors in this room? This is unbelievable. Anyway, he throw. I'm facing this mirror, the cycling, this the mirror that's about to cycle, the floor like thing. He throws the holy water. And just at the point that he throws the holy water, the mirror in front of me now it was across the bed it was like a king size bed and you could it was right right across all of a sudden just just if you take your shoulders and you go back and forth like dun, dun, up and down back and forth it kind of went na 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 and then it started cycling around 
in front of me about maybe two, three revolutions. And then it ended up kind of, you know how it goes like a a flat um, surfboard kind of thing. Uh, That's where it ended up. So it wasn't upright anymore. It was now in that position. My husband did not see this because when this was happening, he froze momentarily in the air as if it's like a slow motion stop situation picture show here. I completely went completely white. I was so scared. I could hardly move. I couldn't scream. Keep in mind, I couldn't find my way out of there if I wanted to. And remember what she said. Most people don't stay in their rooms 20 minutes. They come down here and sleep all night. And then like, I'm not going to do this. I will stay here if it kills me. I'm here to write a chapter about this place and I'm going to get it. It just about killed me. So I went into my first panic attack ever. And if anyone anyone here has ever had a panic attack, you feel like you're going to die. Okay. The mirror is now um, on its belly, as I would call it. My husband comes out of his trance and he says, well, I'm going to go to bed now. And I just thought, look, and I started pointing at the mirror and he goes, well, how did the mirror get like that? And I said, it was cycling around. He goes, oh, they trying to scare us again. I said, this is no scare tactic. Seriously. Okay. And I'll explain that in just a moment. Anyway, it was a miserable night for me. He went to bed and slept immediately. I laid there for the rest of the night with a black mask over my face, begging to not have be hurt by this thing. Now, Scott, yes, now I feel the cold, icy cold feeling, not only over my body, like something was peering at me or laying on top of me, mm-hmm. but I felt it sit on my legs. In the morning, I mean, I, I begged for like two, three hours straight. I couldn't sleep. I was scared out of my mind. When I woke up in the morning and I took my black mask off, I was almost afraid to. The wardrobe was open and um, we left there, but we didn't leave there. When we went downstairs to check out, the manager saw how roughed up I was. And I said, thank you for the experience. I've got enough to write in my book now. She goes, may I please ask you to come back upstairs? I want to show you something. I didn't want to go back up there. I had just about, it's like, we have to go back to the room. And of course, go to the door, knock, knock. Can we come in? You know, that kind of thing. She brings me over to the mirror. She goes, I have a question for you. How do you stop this from every time her maid bends over to vacuum the floor? the thing lifts its bottom up and smacks her in the butt every single time. She says, how do you, how do you stop it from smacking her in the butt? I looked at her and I said, I don't know if I were you, I'd take this thing out of here, bring it to a back alleyway and pound the crap out of it. You know, (laughs) but um, I, I told her, I said, get rid of this mirror. I said, this mirror is trouble in here. I said, it's trouble. This is, this is where your problems are. Um, coming from. And I said, by the way, why do you have so many mirrors in this room? I mean, you've got, this is trouble. So anyway, she was very nice. I sent them copies of my books and stuff. But after that experience happened, I swore off ghosts for the next three years. And I said, I'm not ever going to pursue this ever again. I was terrified. Not only that, after we left that one, I had the ex- an experience at the next bed and breakfast that we went Two, something was crawling on my legs. I could and I could go on and on about that. But long story short, it it seems like something changed in me that night because my abilities heightened to a level that um I'll give you examples when you if you're interested in just a moment. On ever since I left there, something changed in me to the point where not only do these things come to me all the time now. But um, my abilities to do things um, are happening a lot more than that. So the the last thing, though, now that I'm in my 60s, my 60s, um, just a couple years ago, uh, I think the extraterrestrial has entered the picture as well, because I uh, woke up um, with a blood red handprint on my on my chest. It was like upside down, elongated fingers. And one of the fingers was crooked. 
And I was trying to match my hand up. And of course, no, it wasn't that. And it took three hours for it to disappear. But now I've got things touching me. So Scott, when you brought up the fact that you felt touched and all that, I get touched. um, I don't say all the time, but I get touched more often than I used to. And I get touched in various ways. Okay. But um, yeah, anyway, that kind of gives you a flavor of where it kind of started and how it progressed. And then because of my love of haunting three homes, by the way, and poltergeist activity and all that that goes along with it, here I am today sitting here talking with you. The biggest thing I have right now, I had poltergeist activity in this house we moved in, um, took two weeks to get rid of, by the way, was pretty nasty. It was it or me? And I said, it's going to be you and not me. But uh, I have flying a lot of lot of propelled flying orbs in here now, um, constantly every night. And How long have you been in this house that you're in? Three years, three, years, and it's okay. uh, only sixteen years old. So it's a newer house. It's obviously yeah. new construction. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's a newer house, and what I understand is there's a possibility that the teenagers that used to live in this house um, before us, of course. Uh, may have played with the Ouija board. Um, And I didn't know this. I I just started when I started talking to some psychics, I said, and and bringing them over here, I said, I've got some unusual activity going on in here. I said, well, the thing locked me out of the house. I mean, I could go on an hour about what happened there. But there's things flying open in here that were sealed shut. And I could go on and on about that. But um, basically, the poltergeist was not coming from me. It was coming from whatever it was. And I, it, it was, it was it or me. And I said, it's not going to be me. It's going to be you. And you're getting out of this house. And it took two weeks, but anyway, yeah. So you can haunt your homes very easily. And I've haunted three of them. And right now it's very peaceful in here, but I've got some of this extraterrestrial or whatever unusual activity going on with me now and so beacon of light here they come right Right. i want to know a little bit more about this extraterrestrial activity when when did this first start and what types of what makes you believe it's extraterrestrial okay so that's a good question because that's a question that i'm going to pose i'm going to be speaking at a couple conferences and that is the question that i'm going to be posing to the audience how can you tell the difference if it's spiritual, yeah, paranormal, yeah, yeah. extraterrestrial, or ultra-terrestrial? Sure, yeah, we We've all, got, love that word. Yep, many different layers now. And what we're thinking, or at least the theory that people are gravitating to at this point, is that there's an overlap between all of them. Mm-hmm. And I and it's it's being able to determine where this starts and ends. So let me go back to when I didn't realize that I may have had an abduction. Okay. So uh, let's see, 2019, Las Vegas, very nice hotel, 60th floor there by myself, because I always go to Las Vegas to write my books. I'm, I don't know what it is about Las Vegas, but something keeps calling me back there. And I'm sure it's the ghosts or whatever. But anyway, because my rooms have always been haunted too. And it's like, okay, so I'm there. It's time for bed. I shut the lights off. I go to this window. I'm way up in the sky. You know, it's bright, not bright. It's clear out. And, you know, you can see a little bit of the stars, but not really because of all the light pollution from there. But Mm -hmm. I'm looking out the window and I'm like, wow, gee, I wonder, I wonder if I'm going to see a hmm, a UFO up here fly by Mm. or something. You know, I'm always doing that to myself. Every time I say something, it comes true. But anyway, um, I went and I lied down in bed. I wasn't, I, I wasn't asleep yet because, you know, women have a hard time sleeping. But anyway, um, so I was lying there and all of a sudden my lights start to flicker. Um, I had a nightlight on and I'm in a room that's panel controlled. So it's really fancy room. Okay. And my lights start to flicker and they've never, ever done that before. And I thought, oh God, malfunction. And then I thought, oh, God, I hope I don't have another visitor in here with me. And then there was two knocks. If it was three, I would have been out of there. I'm not kidding. (laughs) Two knocks behind my head. Tap, tap. 
right directly behind my head in my bed. Now, keep in mind, behind my head was the bathroom, you know, on the other side. So it wasn't like uh, vibrating or coming down from any other place or, or, you know, I heard it wrong. I'm like, okay, something is in here. Remember, I'm a beacon, right? So I can't go anywhere because here they come. And I, th- I said, please leave me alone because I need to get some sleep tonight. I really, I really don't have time for this. I just stop what you're doing and leave me alone. All right. The next morning when I wake up, I don't know how I fell asleep, by the way. I, it was almost like something hit me with a hammer and I was, I was gone. The next morning when I woke up, I didn't feel right. And I thought, I felt like, um, you know, like when you get an oil change in your car, you go, get fresh, fresh oil. Well, I felt like I had like fresh blood or something. Yeah. I felt really different. And I've never felt that way only one time in my house here since, but I've never felt that way ever. And so I thought nothing of it. Um, not at all. All right. Long story short, um, I talked with when I was having the poltergeist activity in my house here, I brought in a, um, a, uh, no, ba- I need a backup. So sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, I was at a conference a year later or so in Las Vegas. I stood up. There's a speaker up. I stood up and I said, I have a question for you. How can you tell if you're doing this stuff yourself? Or how can you tell if, um, if it's paranormal? I need to know the answer. I can't take this anymore. My life, and I started giving some examples Um, Just to throw one out for you just quickly, because I know your listeners would be interested in this. Mm -hmm. I have won 17 jackpots in the last four years. I just go to the machine and nine out of 10 times I win. Okay. Now put that on the, on the thing. So I'm telling this guy. I I have to say the look that went over Amber's face (laughs) when you said that. I'm sorry. You can't see that. No, that's in my notes. But her eyes just went like little slits for a second and you just. (laughs) She just went somewhere else. I no, I I absolutely love casinos and gambling, and <laughs> so whenever I when I'm just like I I this is in my notes to be like talk. You took to, her somewhere else. Talk to you Kelly about <laughs> how I too can achieve this. <laughs> yes, how can I achieve winning right. at jackpots? Right. Well, it's I'll tell you, I won three in December when I was there, and uh, I usually come home ahead, so. Um, unfortunately, I wasn't the one who won the 240 some or 50 some uh, thousand dollars that they 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 discovered. But that's that's another time. But anyway, I wish that was me. But no, they're they're big enough where the IRS is involved. Yeah, right. That yeah. way. That's nice. Um, you were asking. So I asked the speaker, how can I tell the difference? Because all these different things were happening to me. And he says, he looked me dead straight in the eye. I'm not kidding. He was serious as a heart attack. He said, Kelly, you know, I have abductees come into my office every single day telling me the exact same things that you're telling me right now. How do you not know you were not abducted, was abducted at one time? They erased your memory. And now you have these extra abilities that you don't know where they came from. And you're wondering what on earth is going on here. And I will tell you up to that point, I never believed in UFOs. I never believed that they existed. And now you couldn't, you couldn't convince me otherwise because I'm really into this whole thing on it right now. And I'm trying to learn as much as I can. But the thing is, is when he said that I stood there with my thumb up my nose and I thought, God, do I feel stupid? And I just kind of sat down thinking, Oh my God, was I abducted? I mean, I, I mean, he was that serious. So anyway, I, then I brought in a psychic into my house when I was having the poltergeist activity. And I said, help me out here. And we had a little bit of a UFO ish kind of reading. And she said to me, never gave her any of this information, nowhere to be found. She goes, something happened to you a couple of years ago in a hotel room where something came in and it was checking your blood. Mm. And I thought, I just went and I froze right in my chair and I thought, where was I? Where was I? And then all of a sudden you could just see the lights in my eyes go up. I'm like, I was in that Las Vegas room. And she says, yes, it was just checking your blood. Nothing, nothing bad. It was just doing a health check on you. And then a couple months later, um, 
I was diagnosed with cancer. Uh, oh, Jesus. Anyway, the diagnosis of that um, is good because they got it all. And the doctor said, he said kind of to me, he said, something is unusual here. He said, um, this is very rare. He said, you are a miracle child, and I just want you to remember that. And all I could think about was that whatever it was in that room that night, whether it was paranormal or extraterrestrial, um, it was there for the good of me. It wasn't there for the bad. But then, of course, a year later, I get the handprint on my body that left in three hours. And it didn't look like a regular handprint. And not only that, I had a dream. And the dream I had was of a, at first I thought it was my husband's cousin. Um, and instead, when this person turned around, it was a mantis looking creature mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. with a, believe it or not, a COVID mask over its face. Mm. I think it was trying to either say something to me, like with the COVID mask, or it was um, trying to disguise itself. But I have that in my book as well. That, And I woke up in an absolute um, shock, sweat, uh, heart beating, a mil million miles an hour. So I just said to my husband, I said, I need to stop having this stuff happen to me because something is trying to make contact with me. And... Just to add another layer to this, next week, I'm going out to Arizona with my husband, and we're going UFO watching. Oh, and we're going to be in the Jerome um, Grand Hotel where oh, 9,000 yep. people died, and it's as haunted as yep. sin. And so let's see what comes running towards me when I'm there. So, so anyway. You... you even though you've had some spooky experiences, I get the feeling that you still, no matter what, are kind of jazzed by the paranormal. This this gets you excited. This keeps you going. It, it's ignited a light in yeah, you. Yeah. Um, I can tell from your stories. What do your What do your family and friends think about your exploits into the paranormal? Well, that's a good question. Um, I was talking with someone the other day, not my family member, who brought up the same thing that I have kind of experienced on my end. My family, with the exception of two that feel like they've had some kind of an experience, but not as intense, um, never believed for years. They thought I was kind of a cuckoo, you know, off the wall. Who is this person? You know, odd, whatever. My family never believed in this stuff. So you have two, two routes you can go. You can be the extra logical person that will not let any of this in, otherwise known as the skeptic, or you could be the believer that might think there's something out there, possibly maybe an experience or so, not sure, um, but more open to this stuff and probably more open to having experiences. So what this stuff can do to you, and maybe some of your listeners can relate to this, is that it can, um, what's the word? I don't want to say intimidate. It can scare people off from you in your life because I'm so involved with this. I, I send it out in my Christmas letters. I, if there's anything that I, mainly that I've written another book, I'm up to number 11 right now, which I should be done with in the next few months. But um, um, the experiences that I have, people are just so, they, they don't have them. So because they don't have them, they can't wrap their head around it. And then, then, then they wonder if you're a little bit offbeat and then they kind of steer clear a little bit. And sometimes you lose your friends over this because they just don't know how to relate to you. And it's not like you want to talk about it all the time, but they just, you just seem a little bit different than what they're comfortable with. And so, um, yeah, I would say for the most part, um, I'm glad to have found uh, people that have had experiences to uh, share because it has really been a uh, healing experience for me. So that's, that's my life there. I think in the paranormal there, that's a lot of people do find each other at paranormal conferences or get togethers, or that's why a lot of, I think paranormal teams have formed throughout the years because you need to have that like-minded conversation sometimes just so people don't constantly look at you and go, yeah, <laughs> you know, know. there's something <laughs> wrong with you. It's just, 
you, you always got to have that companionship with, with like-minded individuals. We want to thank you for coming on the show, Kelly, and sharing all of these incredible experiences with us. I don't think your life is going to be dull ever. <laughs> I, Never. I, I, suspect, I don't think so. No, I suspect you are going to continue to have many weird life-altering experiences. And, and keep us updated because especially in regards to the extraterrestrial stuff because like like you I've, I've, I have a lot to learn about that topic yet I've probably only heavily studied it for about the past uh, 10 years and it's still something that I feel is I can't wrap my brain around um, but I we've talked about this on our show yeah, a lot yeah. with the paranormal that it's all connected yeah that's, UFOs, and that's still I'll stand ghosts, by that and I'll keep saying that Bigfoot, yeah. like that's, they my, are, that's the real mystery to me. This is all connected somehow. It's all a part of our world. It's not separate. So thank you, Kelly. Well, thank you guys for having me on. It's been a real. I really actually enjoyed this. Um, and uh, again, um, thank you for um, being a voice for some of us here who just want to get this stuff off our chest. Ghostly talk. <laughs> Did you ever share this with him?